This is Ryan Nidell, host of 15 Minutes to Freedom, a podcast dedicated to helping you expand your mindset and get shit done. Be sure to subscribe to this show and leave me a review if I've been able to impact your life in any way. Reviews help me reach a higher ranking, which in turn allows the message to reach more people. It's my goal with this podcast to positively impact a million people's lives. Also check out RyanNidell.com for additional content. That's R-Y-A-N-N-I-D-D-E-L.com. Also find me on Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and Facebook at Ryan Nidell. Today's episode is She's Out of My League. In today's episode, I'm going to share with you why the arbitrary scale of 1 to 10 on how you rate yourself is limiting your ability to grow. So over this past weekend, maybe it was two weekends ago or three at this point, time seems to escape me, I watched with my wife, Lindsay, a movie from, I thought it was the 90s, it actually ended up being early 2000s, She's Out of My League. And this movie, for those of you that might not have seen it yet, if you haven't seen it yourself, what this movie ends up being about is a bunch of friends that work airport security that end up interacting with a gorgeous woman. She leaves her cell phone behind and she's rushing to a gate and she can't get to the phone. So this, I would say the guy that is least attractive out of the grouping, a very slender guy, ends up having the phone and she asks him to bring it to a party that she's throwing so that he can give it back to her. And so he's went through a breakup and his girlfriend's dating someone else. And there's all these you know, social events that have went on behind the scenes. But as he goes to the party, at the party, she asks him to do a Penguins hockey game. It takes place in Pittsburgh. And he's thinking, man, this is just a really nice girl. You know, she's asking me to do a hockey game. He thought the tickets were going to be just given to him for him to pick up. Didn't know she was even going to come. She said she had two tickets and he could have them. So he takes one of his friends and they show up and they sit down. And lo and behold, this attractive woman and her attractive friend sit down side by side with them. And so now it feels like a double date, but they're not sure. One thing leads to another, and eventually you find out that this woman actually likes this guy. So this slender you know, guy that, again, wouldn't be what the stereotypical term of attractive would be, gets what the stereotypical tor- term of a gorgeous girl would be. Blonde hair in shape, curvy, whatever you'd like to call it. Successful job. She was a lawyer. And this guy's an airport security guard. Slender, you know, on, and on purpose in the movie, a nasally voice. It's really funny. If you haven't seen it, I would suggest watching it. But this is not a movie review. In this movie, there's eventually a part in the movie where the guys are sitting around, I think, a bowling alley. And they're discussing the rating scale that we men have used I think for as long as men have roamed the earth, I think it's probably written somewhere in some you know, piece of rock how we rate women from 1 to 10. You know, you get a perfect 10. She's perfect. She's great. And then all the way down to 1 being, well, we'll just say it politely, someone that you might not want to spend time with. And so they're discussing this, that the guy that's the slender guy that's not attractive that at best, he's a, he's a hard five. He's a mid-roll guy. Doesn't drive a good car, doesn't have a good job, but he's funny. And these guys rate him. And then another guy's a 
six because he plays in a I think Journey cover band or something like that. Some some cover band and that gives him extra points. Like it, it's super comical. You know, this is obviously not the way that we all work, but some variation of this. And then there's one of the three friends would be the attractive quote unquote guy. And he's rated at a hard, I think, eight and a half or nine. And he's super happy about that. The story continues on where eventually, because the slender individual has been told by his friends that he is a hard five, that's the term they use, and maybe it's a hard six or hard four, it doesn't really matter, that he's a number that's nowhere near this woman's number. Because as they're at this bowling alley having the conversation, it's said that you can only jump up two numbers to stay with the woman or man you're going after. So a five can only go as high as a seven, you can never go for a ten. And this is humorous to me. Like, I'm laughing. Because as the movie progresses, he eventually talks himself out of being with this woman. He meets her ex-boyfriend, who happens to be a fighter pilot that, admittedly, I mean, there's no shame in me saying it, is a super attractive guy. Square jawline, perfect hair, no wrinkles, muscular, good job. Like, all these things. And he starts talking himself out of why there's no way that he could keep up with this girl. There's a point in the movie where they're about to start becoming intimate and everything just breaks down because he's talked himself out of it in such a significant manner that he ends up leaving and the relationship ends. Now, of course, it's a movie. And what happens at the end of the movie? Big surprise. He ends up with her and everything ends up perfectly. And that's how movies are written, right? You have to keep our attention throughout the hour and 20 minutes and make sure that Our rear ends sit in movie theater seats and popcorn gets sold and all those things. So nothing would ever end on a bad note. But it got me thinking. How many times have I actually told myself that same story? That because of some arbitrary rating scale, I felt like I wasn't good enough to be in the presence of someone else. Like, I'll go back to when I first saw Lindsay. My wife. And I've shared this story on other episodes, so I don't want to belittle the fact, but I saw her at the gym and she was very in shape, which is right up my alley. Like, it's what I'm attracted to. She has curves in all the right places, which also happens to be what I'm attracted to. She's Italian, which happens to be what I'm attracted to. And she's got a little spunk to her, a little charisma. Happens to be exactly what I'm attracted to. And every time I see her at the gym, before I struck up a conversation with her, which wasn't even really me striking up a conversation with her, it was kind of like a forced interaction. Every time I see her and can make eye contact with her, she's surrounded by at least three other men. And the story I'm telling myself in my head during this time is these other men have to be either her husband or her boyfriend. They have more successful jobs than I have. They have a better car than I have. They have a better physique than I have. There is no chance that I can get Lindsay. I don't even know her name at this point. I just went from seeing an attractive girl, wanting to have a conversation, not having the testicular fortitude to have the conversation, and then talking myself out of the reasons why I should ever try to. Had it not been that she stuck her hand up and waved to me from across the gym, I don't know that we would have ever gotten to where we're at today. I will say that another way. Had she not stuck her hand up, I know for certain we would not have gotten to where we gotten today. I would have never went up and talked to her. I 100% had convinced myself that she was out of my league. Now, my actions the first six months of our relationship would have also lent themselves to the fact that she was out of my league. But if we factor those out for just a moment, obviously we have a very happy and healthy marriage now, and 
I mean, she's my best friend. It's incredible. It's the easiest relationship I've ever had. And you can't really put an asterisk next to something like, I was an idiot for the first six months. So I just have to own it. But it worked. Our relationship worked. So I started thinking, well, where else has that been present in my life? Like, what else have I done where this dumbass story slowed me down, where I'm not thinking I'm a 10 and I'm in a room full of 10s? I'll say it's in business. You know, when I was in the custom clothing world, I got the opportunity to interact with every walk of life. Anybody from the first time, you know, shirt buyer that only has $100, it might be their last $100 to spend on clothing and they want a custom made shirt and they're just starting their career. Of course, I felt very comfortable and confident in those environments. But I remember the first time I was around someone that I looked up to and how intimidating that was, that I didn't feel like I really belonged. Guy's now a a friend of mine, someone I would call a friend, Andy Frisella. I'm in Salt Lake City at an event that a guy named Sean Whalen is putting on. It's a Lions Not Sheep Revolution tour. Andy happens to be a speaker there. I happen to have made a jacket for Sean and needed to be there to deliver it. In the delivery process and being friends with Sean's, at that point, business partner, acquaintance, operations manager, whatever you want to call him, Greg, I end up being invited to the event with Lindsay. I'm sitting there thinking, like, man, I'm just outmatched here. Like, I don't know what to say to this guy. He's not going to want to talk to me. He owns First Form and all this incredibly successful stuff. Like, man, I am screwed here. Like, nervous, right? Like, hand sweating. Not really pacing back and forth, but at least in my mind, just super scared. Well, for those of you that have been to Sundance before or Park City in January, it's really cold and snowy, just the way it works. And so as we're at this little lounge getting ready to have Sean and Andy speak, Andy and I happen to both be outside. We just start talking. I don't even remember exactly what it was about. Sure, custom clothing, this, that, the other, but it wasn't about that. Our conversation ended up lasting 35 or 40 minutes outside in the freezing cold snow with no one else around us. And at this moment, as he is called from the MC, like he's called that it's time for him to go on stage. Here's this guy that's built an incredibly successful business, has a world-famous podcast, has been featured in Entrepreneur and Forbes magazine. There's all these things around Andy. And him and I are sitting outside like a couple of jackasses shooting the breeze in the snow. And it dawns on me, like, maybe these stories I'm telling myself aren't really true. Maybe this rating system that I've adopted that society has said has to exist doesn't really have to exist anymore. So Andy gets off stage and you know everybody's mingling and we take pictures together and all this stuff happens. And one of the things that happened is Andy and I exchanged contact information. Well, of course, I want to sell Andy clothing because that's what I'm doing at the time, but I don't jump right into it like that. We eventually spark up a, a friendship. I feel very comfortable calling it that. I just don't want to oversell it. But a friendship in such a way that you know, we end up shooting back and forth messages about watches or cars before he got his Ford GT and that whole process. And eventually we get to the part of you know, suit sales. And that didn't go exactly the way that we planned for a couple different reasons that in this episode don't matter. 
Now Andy, of course, deals with an amazing group out of LA, and I'm out of the custom clothing business, but I went to look at Panerai's, which are watches, you know, a custom-made, handmade watch, not custom-made. And Andy's like the quintessential Panerai collector. So as I'm deciding which watch I wanted to buy, and this, again, is probably, gosh, time flies, six months ago, I'm sending him pictures like, which one? Like, you're the man. You know what's going on. And he tells me which one, and we laugh back and forth and shoot each other messages from time and time again. And it's just incredible. Like, here I am, this guy that has been scared to death twice, just off the top of my head, about being around different people because I didn't look at myself as a 10. That's because, for the most part, society, in my opinion, has told us that we're not supposed to hold ourselves in high regard. Like, the minute I say to you right now, I'm a 10, deal with it. That hits most people right in the stomach. They're like, man, that guy's an asshole. You can't actually say that out loud. I will challenge you back. If I don't say that out loud, who else is going to? No one else is going to hold my shirt up for me. I got to hold up my own. Now, I think the arbitrary rating scale we come up with from 1 to 10 is truly that. It's arbitrary. I think when you get down to the brass tacks of it, if you're a good person that adds value to the world, you can get anywhere you want to. You just have to ask. And go in with an open heart and an open mind. Don't go in with a preset agenda. When I met Andy, my agenda was not to magically become his custom clothier. My agenda was don't say anything stupid and make sure he remembers me. I probably failed on the first one because I say stupid stuff. It's part of who I am. But I succeeded on the one that mattered. He remembered me. And so all throughout life, it's woven in over and over again that we're just not supposed to toot our own horn. And there's a difference between being confident and egotistical. And that's a very gray line for most people. I get it. It's been a gray line for me. I found immense power in the fact of owning all my mistakes. So when I say that I'm a great person, I now can say that with a full heart. I mean it. I know every day I spend time, energy, and effort trying to make the world a better place based off the life experiences that I've had. You're listening to this message, hopefully, because you have found value in what I've shared before. I don't have a corporate sponsorship for this. I have an incredible group of people around me that actually help support this and make it all work, that all get paid. You know, they're not UNICEF. They're not here for free. I couldn't do any of this stuff without them. So there's support that surrounds this that allows me to know on a daily basis that I'm making the world better, not only by surrounding myself with great people, but making sure that I own what I've done right and wrong. So it doesn't bother me if you don't like it that I know that I'm great. What bothers me is that you might not know that you're great. You have a greatness inside of you. I've said this on past episodes, and I truly believe it to be the facts of life. We all are divine beings. Divine meaning one of a kind. We've all been through our own trials and tribulations. We're all in the process of progress at our own rate. We all have these things that make us who we are. So if you know those things to be true, and you can start to adopt that belief system that you are truly one of a kind and the mistakes that you've made will form the person that you are today, and that doesn't mean you have to be that same person tomorrow, then wouldn't that by nature make you great? In my opinion, it would. 
So I'm going to encourage you to start owning your greatness, to know that nothing that you want out of life is out of your league. And the people that you make uncomfortable by saying you want to impact a million people's lives like I do. Sure, I'll put another thing behind that. I also want to make millions and millions of dollars. If any of us are honest, we all want to. My goal for impacting a million people's lives is not to make a million dollars. It's because I think it matters. Screw it. I don't think it matters. I know it matters because all these dumbass things I've done over my life, why would you want to repeat the same dumb things I've done if you can learn from my message? That's what this is about. So I want to impact a million people's lives. I want to make a million dollars. I want to live a great life. I want to have great experiences and I want to have great friends. No different than you want. And if people don't like it when you say that, I will encourage you to find yourself new people to associate with. I'm going to circle back just on one small thing before I wrap up the episode. There was a post that Grant Cardone made where Grant was buying a new plane. So think about that. I looked into chartering planes because I know how valuable my time is. And I wanted to charter planes to be able to fly around when I had meetings. I thought, okay, I can figure out some way to backwardly justify this at this point in my life. If I wanted to fly from here in Columbus, Ohio to LA, it was going to cost me no less than 38 grand. One way. Okay, so here's a man that is buying a brand new custom plane. I think it's something silly, like 54 million bucks. And Grant is buying it. And Grant posts it. Grant and his wife, Elena, they're proud. And all these people start attacking him for how horrible is that? How frivolously are you spending your money? Think of all the people you could help with that much money. And then Andy Frisella chimes in and says it best. Fuck all those people. Their opinion doesn't matter. Why wouldn't you celebrate? Like he's, Andy ends up celebrating Grant's win. Like Andy and Grant are friends. Andy celebrates his win and realize that he has to level up his game if he too wants to buy a $54 million plane. It's all the way that you view the world. It's all the perspective that you put forth. That's what ends up mattering. This arbitrary rating scale doesn't mean shit unless you give it meaning. So where in your life right now are you potentially judging yourself, giving yourself this rating of 1 to 10, we're actually limiting the growth you're capable of achieving. Is it the office? You kind of just feel like, ah, I'm just okay. I'm just a guy. I'm just a woman here trying to do my job. When you know inside you're capable of something so much more, that you have so much more to give, but you're downplaying it because you don't want to ruffle the feathers of those people around you. Where all you'd have to do is start leveling up how you operate every day, and you know you'd start to get promotions. You know you'd find another job. You know you'd end up as a CEO of a company. If those are the things you want to do, you have to start acting like that person today. Take the actions of the CEO today. Don't wait until you become the CEO or it will never happen. Maybe it's in the fitness arena. You know, maybe, maybe in your mind you, just, you could never, ever, ever be a triathlon. I'll call it an Ironman. You could just never be an Ironman. You could never complete an Ironman. You just don't have it, right? Like for me, I will compete, complete an Ironman in 2019. I have never swam a thousand meters before. I don't remember the last time I ran that someone wasn't chasing me. I certainly have never ridden a bike for 120 plus miles. But I'll do it. And I know it sounds crazy. 
But those people that are trying to talk me out of it or say that I can't do it end up being fuel for the fire versus the ability to talk me out of it based off a rating scale. And when it comes to relationships, I think this is perfect. If you, if you are a man, and I can speak from a man's perspective, we all have flaws and insecurities, the most and least attractive of us. If you can talk yourself out of those insecurities and start to realize that you truly have a greatness inside of you, a gift to give to the opposite sex, and you can walk up to them and make eye contact and smile and make them laugh, make them feel secure, make them feel protected. It doesn't matter what number you view yourself as. I still view Lindsay as a 10 and I'm nowhere near a 10. Not to her, but in our life, we're both 10s together. It works and it always will. So as you stop these limiting beliefs of rating yourself lower than you really are as a person, you'll find out that every day you get shit done.